Hey y'all, it's your girl KDT. Just a quick word before we start today's episode. We just taped this one recently and I thought it would be something that I'd hang on to for a couple of weeks. We're calling it battle fatigue. And what we're talking about is just the absolute drain um, an emotional toll a lot of us uh, black folks and people of color are feeling with the hits that just keep on coming since the death of George Floyd and finding out what was going to happen um, in the Breonna Taylor case and just all of the things that were going on that we didn't even know were happening um, before George Floyd's uh, death kind of shined a light on some of those things. And so right after we finished this episode, we got the news that Ruth Bader Ginsburg had passed away. It just felt like another blow and thought it would be remiss not to mention that up front. Obviously, something as major as her death and the Breonna Taylor verdict would have been things that we would have discussed. Uh, But those things came to light after we finished. So I just wanted to bring that up. And for all of you guys who are feeling it too, we're praying for you. Hello, hello, and welcome to In My Shoes. It's a podcast for women of color, where we talk about the things we're going through on a daily basis, y'all. I am your host, Karen Davis Thompson, and I am so excited today. Because I have not been on with my girls in a while. You know, it don't take much to make me excited, right? So today I have Amber, Janine, and Maureen with me. So I'm going to let them say hello, give you an update on what's been going on with them, and we'll get right into it. So Amber, I'll let you start. What's up? What's up, everybody? Um, As she said, this is Amber. I've been doing good. I've still been working my side hustle, trying to make it my main hustle. Um, I think since the last time I've been on, I've converted and went all the way in and I'm got my LLC and trying to get me some other paperwork ready. But other than that, I am good. She thinks she grown. Y'all get it. Okay. G, how about you? Hey, hey, everybody. It's so good to be back on with you guys. It's been a minute and I've missed you all. So um, you know, it's it's all good. Um, just been staying super busy, managing all kinds of things, as you all know, with the kids and e-learning and my, my business. And it's just a lot going on. But um, I'm just happy to be here with you guys. And I just really can't wait till we could all actually get together in person. But this is great. I know I missed that, too. And Maureen, how are you? Hello, hello, everyone. Karen, so great to be back with you, Amber and G. Always good to be with you all. It's been a while, G. Like you said, um, you know, things are things are things, right? I have taken a little bit of a step back from MGJ speaks momentarily, only because for the past month and a half, I've been focused on moving to a new organization. Um, new role. And so I landed that sometime in August. I actually start on Monday. So very, very excited about that. But the one thing I do want to say is now that we're all back together again, is that I'm so excited to see everybody still doing their thing. Gee, you know, I'm watching out, girl. I'm sharing your stuff. My daughter is a big fan. And Amber, so proud of you for getting your LLC. Get it, girl. Get it, get it, get it. So excited to be with you all. Um, this is great. And happy to be back, Karen. So thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate that, guys. And as always, I'll put your information in the show notes so people know where to find you and to find the wonderful things that you guys can provide for them. And so we'll make sure to take care of that. So let's get right into this. Um, Had a little conversation with GFU maybe about a week or so ago, and I just told her I feel so tired. Like every time I turn on the news, I feel like there's another story of either, you know, we're still in, we're still killing black people like it's some sort of game 
or we find out about instances that were swept under the rug before, you know, everything blew up with George Floyd. And so I'm calling it battle fatigue. I just feel like I'm in battle and I'm tired and just wanted to know if I was the only one kind of feeling that way. Uh, just from the conversations I've had with some of you all individually, that I don't think I am. So just want to get into that. How are you guys feeling and uh, what's been going on in your minds and hearts uh, over the last few months? So G, let's start with you. Sure. Um, you know, it's, I'm like you, Karen. I mean, I just, I feel so exhausted at this point. Um, just, just drained, to be honest. Um, and I do, I feel like I'm in battle. Um, and it's just, I hate to sound so dreary, but it's just, it just seems like there's just no end in sight, right? Because, you know, we experienced the whole George Floyd situation. And then after that, it's like multiple situations back to back to back. So it's like, when is this going to stop? You know, um, so that's just kind of my feeling is, you know, it has really kind of also heightened um, my anxiety a little bit, you know, to the point where, you know, I, I worry not only for mine and my family's safety, but I worry about, you know, my friends and um, their families. Um, the tensions are just so high right now. Um, racial tensions are just extremely high. And it's just really, ha it just has, you know, heightened my anxiety. And so, you know, I try to find ways to, um, to deal with that and to really focus on, you know, what I can do and what my family can do, um, you know, to, to lessen the, uh, the pain and the hurt that, you know, you see when, when, you know, we're, we're, looking at these images and hearing about these stories and reading about these stories that are just happening. And, um, you know, so it's very disheartening to see, you know, all of this happening right now. So I, I'm just curious to hear from, you know, Maureen and Amber and, and what their thoughts are on this as well. And Amber, how about you? Have you been feeling, do you, do you, are you tired? Do you feel like really, I can't, not another one and then have to get up and go to work and act like, you know, all is well. Um, I feel very similar to G. Um, I am extremely tired. If there's a word bigger than tired, then that's it. Um, I also, the feeling that I feel a lot is confused. And not, you know, the general confusion of that you're confused about why is this happening? What is going on? And why do people hate like this? Why do people not? But it's for me, it's you get up, like you said, and go to work. And people make, you know, small comments that they think is not a big deal. And it is. Um, they will say something you feel like you have to defend yourself, but I also have to realize it's my job. And then I'm confused about, well, you know, somebody's got to stand up and say something. Um, do I want to be the one, but I've got a family to take care of, but now these people don't have a family. So somebody should stand up for them. It's just all of that goes through your brain just from somebody making a simple comment. And I guess that's the confusion part for me is actually how to deal with it. And I'm frustrated because, you know, people that you thought that you were okay with, you're not. Um, it's people, you know, you try to educate those people for me that I think don't really mean to say what they say. They don't realize that that is what it is. But um, for others, you like, I, I think they really meant that. I, I think they meant to say that. And, or that's how they really feel. And that's wrong. And it, it's just caused a lot of confusion and frustration because you still have to go to work every day. 
Um, and when you hear about it, I don't know how everybody else feels. It's almost like watching Roots and then they expect you to go to work the next morning and look at everybody, you know, it's, so this is real life stuff. That's even worse that, you know, you're praying for your family while you're at work, praying that they make it where they're going, praying that your mother, your father, your brothers, your cousins, they all get where they're supposed to be and not have to die over foolishness or just because of the color of their skin. So it makes it difficult to work just in general because of that. But then it also causes confusion to be around all of the other people um, who don't understand because they're not black. And Maureen, how about you? You know, I'm not really sure if I could add anything to what either Amber or G said, right? I think that it is, um, you know, G, you said something about, you know, the feeling of anxiety. And, you know, a few weeks ago, I really thought that I was in this kind of general malaise. Like I was, I just felt depressed and I couldn't figure out what it was, but I knew that all of this going on had a lot to do with it. And I couldn't, I had a hard time pulling myself up out of it. And I think part of it is because, you know, there are, since George Floyd, you know, there are certain things that have happened after that. But then there were all of these things that actually happened before, like when you talk about, you know, Elijah McClain a year ago, and we didn't even know. And so I started getting into this, you know, general kind of funk just because I was thinking, well, how many more of these things are there out there? And every day when I wake up, am I going to hear, you know, an, a new story? And even worse, I started thinking about how is it, am I going to wake up one of these days and it's going to be, you know, God forbid somebody I know, or, you know, my, one of my children, it's, it's just a, it's a very weird time to be in. And so I think the, title of you know this our our chat today battle fatigue is so appropriate because i feel like i'm in a game where people are just trying to hit you over the head with something and they just miss you but you wake up the next day and they catch you that day like i feel like people are trying to just like catch me and it's tired it's tiring you know it's 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 a it's a very interesting time to be black and and be in just living or trying to live. I'll say that. You know, I can completely obviously agree with all of you, but Maureen, what you were just talking about in terms of feeling some sort of, you know, down or depression. I don't know if you guys all listened to Michelle Obama's podcast, but she mentioned that like, it was like some, like felt like it was like a low grade depression. Like you, you can't help but feel that, you know what I mean? It's like, you know, every single day, I, I think your analogy is perfect. You know, you try hitting me one day, you just said miss me. And then the next day we just start all over again. And that's kind of how I feel. It's like every single day on social media, like even when um, you're, you're scrolling through social media and some of the comments people make, like, I don't know if you guys saw this thing the other day where now this woman, uh, they, they want the work. My name is messed up y'all. But Karen will never be the name. Karen will never be the same, but she wanted it to be, I'm just, I'm just being real. She wanted it to be like a racial slur to call a white person, Karen. Right. And so it's like, are y'all, are we really doing this? It's every single day. And so Amber, uh, talk a little bit about what it's like for you, uh, because of the type of work that you do, 
uh, when people come in and they're still making really, really ignorant comments? And how do you handle that? And what do people around you in the office say when they hear it and they know it's wrong? How do they handle it? Um, I, I think that everybody struggles with how to handle it. And I think that some of um, white people in general are a little bit afraid of what to say because they don't not sure some of them what to say. But I know for me, working where I work, um, people already have a sense of, um, I guess, I guess privilege is the word I'm looking for. But because I work for a government agency, you know, you always typically hear that I pay your salary, I do this and I do that. Um, but it seems to get worse now. Um, and when they come in, it's, um, you don't believe how many people have said, because we wouldn't want to do a transaction, that you're just doing this um, because I'm white. You're doing this because I'm, and I'm thinking to myself that I wouldn't do it for half the people who walk in this door because that's who's here. Um, I still deal with, I know in one of the previous podcasts I talk about um, that some, seems to get worse, but how someone will come in and ask to speak to the manager. Um, and then they will say, oh, that's what's wrong with this office. When they see me and walk out, um, they will look at me and then they'll say, oh, um, is there somebody else I can talk to? I know for me, I have to be careful because it is my job, but I have gotten to the point where I really, for the lack of a better word, don't care. Um, they'll say, well, can I talk to somebody else? And I say, well, this is good as it gets. So it's either me or nothing. You, you know, I, you know, I don't, you don't, you're not being appreciative or sensitive to me. So I don't feel that I should be that way to you. Um, we have a lot of deputies that work in our office that we are really, really close to. Um, a few of them, this has shown their true colors on things that they say. Um, I think people, like I said before, are still making comments that they don't realize are racial comments. Um, a lot of times when I make comments or I have posted things on social media, I don't do it too often, but I have posted. Um, I've had people make comments to me like, oh, I didn't know you felt like them. And I said, like them? Uh, excuse me, <laughs> as if I'm not black or as if I'm not, they, they somehow see me different. And um, I've actually had them say that to me. Oh, I saw your post last night. I didn't know you felt like them. Um, and those things are not okay to say. And I don't know what you mean by I feel like them. I'm black and I'm hurting when my people are hurting. And, um, and like you guys said, it's just frustrating to come into work and to have to deal with, I deal so heavily with the public and so you have some people at work who will try to be politically correct because you work in the same building, but customers are not politically correct. And I think that's the difficult part in it is that customers aren't. Um, they will, you know, ignore customers that are black, walk in front of them, do all those kinds of things. And it's worse because you have to deal with the public. And that's what the non-sensitive part comes in play. Yeah, that's why I wanted you to kind of weigh on on that, because I knew out of all of us who are on here today, you're the one that has more of the... Um day-to-day -day dealings with the public. Um, and I know, you know, that has to be, I was just interested what that's been like. And, you know, um, and all of you can kind of comment on this as we get to the next question, but I think that a lot of times what we're finding is people who you uh, thought you really knew, or, and this has always kind of happened, but they see you differently from other black people. Oh, but I don't mean you, <laughs> you know, the, it's that type of thing. I think that's kind of what you're running into. They make comments about black people, but you're not included in that. I don't mean you. It's like, they got a separate space for the black people they know. And then every other black person is whatever the stereotype is. Um, and so Maureen, and then I'll ask the rest of you to answer as well. 
What are you feeling in terms of, you know, uh, several of us do work for corporations, just in general, how are companies responding? Do you feel it's genuine? Sometimes I feel like we're just throwing, you know, oh, and I, all of a sudden we have this um, grant we're going to give to black owned businesses, or we've got this money we're going to give to, you know, the United Negro College Fund. Well, last week we weren't really doing any of that. So how do you think in general corporations are, are doing when it comes to really being understanding about what's going on? Yeah, that's a, you know, so in general, I think that they're all reaching, right? And again, this is my opinion, but I think they're all reaching. I think they're all trying to first see what everybody else is doing. And then they're all thinking, okay, if everyone is donating, let's use the example of the United Negro College Fund. If everybody else is donating to them, well, we need to do that too, because their clients, right, are going to look at them and see who are they giving their money to? Who are they supporting? Are they supporting anyone? And so I really think that there's a part of the organizations that really want to do something and they don't know what to do. So their first thing is to throw dollars at it, just like people throw dollars at everything and hope that it'll just go away, right? Or it'll pass or it'll help in some small way. But I also think there's another side of this where people actually truly do want to do what they believe is the right thing. And those are the organizations that are actually having conversations with their employees and really asking hard questions, asking them hard, courageous questions around, so what's happening, how are you feeling? And asking the really, this is an even harder question, what can we do to help? What should we be doing? And I say it's a hard question because as hard as it is, it may be for the executives in an organization to ask that question. It's even harder for employees who are black and brown folks to respond to that because some may want to say, you know what, I don't need you. Don't do anything for me. I'm good. And then there are others who say, well, you know what, let's sit down and have a conversation. There's no right or wrong here, right? It's just the way that people feel. But the bottom line is if, a, if the employer reaches out and actually asks employees, how can they help? What can they do? And employees feel so comfortable, comfortable enough to actually engage in that conversation, then truly it is a win. Regardless of how we see it as a year they're just doing this to say that they did something or not, it really truly is a win. But it's very hard for us as Black people to, to swallow that, right? It's really hard for us to move beyond, oh, they're just doing that to say that they did something. In a few months, this will go away. This time around, I don't think anything's going away. I think that they, these organizations are in this for the long haul, whether they believe it or not, they're in it for the long haul. And the great thing, I shouldn't say the great thing, but one of the interesting things that's come out of this is that organizations are now all over looking for black and brown talent. So if you check out LinkedIn, you know, literally every couple of hours, right, you'll see scrolling through some person has been named chief diversity officer, some person has been named chief marketing officer, you know, all kinds of uh, leadership roles where they're actually now taking a look at diverse talent, really taking a look at diverse talent and creating the opportunity for to put diverse talent into those roles. It's a great thing, but we all recognize 
um, the hard fact that had it not been for George Floyd and for Ahmad and for Brianna and for all of the others before them, we can go so far back as Trayvon Martin and even further back, had it not been for the trajectory of all of those things happening, you might not see all of those announcements on LinkedIn. Those faces might not look like that. So I think organizations are, are they're trying. Um, as, and, and you all know, as, as, as all of us, you know, we work within you know, organizations that are really trying to figure this out. Um, I think it's incumbent upon us to at least engage in a conversation if the employer really wants to know. And we need to be real and give them honest feedback so that they can move forward, make the right decisions, but say that they're making these decisions because they had the conversation and the dialogue with the employees and therefore they know they're moving in the right direction. Does that make sense? It, it does. Absolutely. And I think part of my, maybe where I'm stuck and then G, I'll let you respond as well, is feeling like were it not for all of those things that have been going on, would we be seeing this chief marketing officer who's now black or this mm -hmm. chief diversity officer? And it's hard for me to move past that because I feel like all of these people were out there with this talent beforehand. And why did it take the death of all of these black folks for you to decide, oh, we better get some diversity in here. You know what I mean? And I know I need to move past it, but I think that's where I struggle. It's like, for real, we're doing this because now all of this stuff has come to the forefront. Um, so G, what's your, what do you think about that? I completely agree. Um, Maureen, you really just, you dropped the mic with that. Um, it's so important having that, that dialogue with people, but you know, I see that they're trying, a lot of corporations are trying, but really I think what's going to start moving the needle is actions, right? So it's one thing to say it and it's one thing to throw dollars at it. Um, and it's one thing to start these inclusion and diversity committees and, and, and groups that, you know, my, you know, my corporation also is being very, very responsive, and I'm happy to see that. Um, but I'm hoping, and just like what you all mentioned earlier, we're starting to see those, um, you know, uh, C-suite uh, positions opening it up, opening up. Um, what I would like to see a little bit more is opening up to chief operating officers, chief, I mean, you know, chief marketing officers, chief of you know in information technology um i'm seeing a lot of you know um diversity or um chief diversity officers and that's wonderful and that's great um but there are so many of us out there who are qualified who have put in the years of you know the years and 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 uh you know extensive um you know, shown their skills and, and certain skill sets. And I just feel like there's such a, a huge world out there and we're only seeing, we're, we're only scratching the surface here. Um, but so I'm hopeful that we will see more of that. Um, but again, you know, for me, time will tell. And those actions are really going to speak louder than, than what these corporations are saying. And so when we come to the table and have these discussions, with our employers and these uh, corporations, it's, I know sometimes, I mean, even for myself, I mean, I, and I think it's human nature to be a little bit 
cautious, right? You know, you don't want to be in a situation where, you know, a lot of people fear really just telling the truth, right? Um, but I think that is so important that we, we really do need to be frank. We need to have those uncomfortable conversations. That's the only way we're, we're going to get ahead. Um, so, you know, it, it's just, you know, like I said, it's difficult because Karen, just like what you said, you know, okay, would you be doing this if this hadn't happened? Like how many people do we have to sacrifice, <laughs> you know, to make these, these strides? Um, so, you know, like I said, I think, Time will tell. Um, and when we start seeing a lot more representation in other areas, I think that's when, you know, we can really just determine whether or not, okay, is this genuine? Are they really wanting to give us a seat at the table or, you know, give us a chance to, you know, really, you know, just, just lead and, and, and be successful in, in our careers and, 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 uh, you know, taking ownership of our businesses, or is this just another way of just kind of sweeping it under the rug and let's throw a few dollars at it and maybe they'll go away, you know, maybe it'll go away. So that's kind of my take on it. Thank you so much, Maureen. It looks like you wanted to add something. I did. So gee, you brought up a really good point about making sure that, you know, just because we're, we've got all these people in these senior level roles, you know, that's great. And throwing money up at, you know, organizations, that's great. One of the things that I think is really critical, and this is where the battle is fought the most fiercely, is at the middle level of an organization. And so while I think it's great that companies bring all of this new diverse talent into an organization, what are they doing with the middle of the organization? So your managers, senior managers, directors, senior directors, whatever, you know, whatever those levels are. What are they doing with the um, diverse talent that's sitting in those roles? Are they having opportunities for growth and development and promotion? That's really where the battle is fought the hardest for two reasons. One, they don't see anybody at the top who looks like them. That's part of the problem, right? So yeah, 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 it's great that organizations are bringing people in at those levels. But then the second thing is um, they themselves now need to be given the opportunity to aspire to higher level roles. And so the good news is that some organizations, not all, some organizations are really beginning to think broadly about the fact that it's not just about that high level talent that you bring in, but it's also about promoting the talent that you have that's already there because those are the people who are doing the battle every single day, who are working hard, keeping the lights on, doing whatever they do to make the organization successful that people aren't even paying attention to. And now it's time for organizations to really step up and say, not only are we hiring diverse talent in from the outside into these senior level positions, but we're also promoting diverse talent from within and giving them the growth and development experiences and the visibility and the mentor and sponsorships that they need to be successful. And so, GT, your point, you are spot on. It's not just about those senior level roles, but it's also about the people throughout the organization at the levels below that who also need, need that nurturing. Thank you for that, uh, Maureen. I definitely agree with what both of you are saying there. This looks like this is a hot topic we're having here. Amber, you wanted to respond? 
Um, yes, I completely agree with G and Maureen. Um, but what I wanted to add is, you know, just what um, Maureen and G were talking about, that's kind of like the exact thing that's going on in my organization. We have a lot of managers. We have about seven managers and four, five of the seven managers are black. Um, but much past that, we don't have a whole lot of people who are in the higher positions that are people of color. And um, they're usually try to be diverse with women and everything, but it seems to stop when it comes to color. And the one, we don't have as much of the issue about money and giving money. I don't really expect that from my organization only because we're government driven. So we're, we're money's come from the public. So that can be difficult. I know what I find difficult at my job it's not only what Maureen and G were talking about, but they have not really brought up the topic. They haven't done anything to really try to see if people are okay. I think with all of the COVID-19 things going on, that it gets mixed in with that as if that's why I have anxiety. And that's why that I'm just having a bad day because this COVID stuff is getting on my nerves. And they try to, they have no problem, you know, giving you phone numbers to see if you have someone to talk to. But no one really at my job has brought up the um, decision about or the talk about social justice and what's going on. So I think for me, that part is more frustrating. Um, I don't really have anything to compare for as far as the money is concerned, because we, we you know, we're a little limited in that. Um, but yes, the issue with it does seem that middle management is heavy in minorities, but much past that, we don't have anything. That's one. And the second thing is, too, is that really they have not had a serious deep discussion um, checked on you other than COVID-19 as if that's the only thing going on. And yes, that is stressful in itself, but it's not the only thing. And truthfully, it's not really one of my major issues right now. Yeah, definitely. I think that's part of it too. And gee, I see you. I'm going to uh, get you in just a second. I think that uh, that's what uh, can be difficult. You know, what's worse that they don't bring it up at all, or they bring it up and you don't think it's genuine, you know? So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. And I think it's easy to just, you know, when it's something like COVID, that's really easy to, oh, we can get you some numbers if you need anything. But when you start getting into stuff like race, it's like sometimes people want to take a step back from that. Um, and that's hard to do. You know, you're coming to work every day, especially in, in a public um, field like where you are, Amber, and, you know, the barges and the smart comments. And then I'm just supposed to get up and repeat the next day. Uh, G, how about you? What, you wanted to add something? Yeah, so I, I wanted to add to um, Amber's point as well, um, because I, you know, I've kind of seen both ways, you know, like, you know, in, in my in my past role, you know, I worked for a company that, you know, kind of shied away from controversial, you know, topics, or especially, you know, race relate relations, um, social justice, they would shy away from that. Um, typically, that industry, you wouldn't really see much representation anyway. Um, you know, I'm in the utilities industry now and which is complete like polar opposite. Um, and I'm, I'm really, you know, kind of proud of the work that my organization is doing at the moment. Um, but for those companies, I just, I kind of feel that I, I wish more corporations maybe, and, and it could be just kind of like, well, we don't know what to do. You know, we just, we don't know what to do. Um, maybe there is a lack of representation, you know, on, on, on that top level, the senior level management, maybe they they just don't know what to do, but I almost kind of feel like I would, I would respect them more if they would just come out and just be willing just to eat, at least acknowledge what's happening, you know? And I think for me, sometimes that's the biggest thing. Can we just, can we address, <laughs> you know, what's going on? Can we address that? 
you know, a huge portion of your workforce is suffering from PTSD right now. You know, can, can we at least address that things aren't right? You know, like, can we at least just have those discussions? And I just, I'd rather a corporation just come out and put themselves out there and say, look, you know, um, you know, maybe we're not in your shoes, right? We, we don't know what you're going through, but we know you're going through something and let's just have those discussions. What is it that we can do from our end to help? You know, and I think that opens the door for so much more dialogue and people can respect that a little bit more. So I just wanted to put that out there as well. I mean, that's just, you know, I, I, like I said, I've been on both ends and I've seen both sides and how it works. And, you know, it truly is, it can be, you know, it, it can feel really defeated and you can feel very alone as a minority, you know, when, when, especially when you don't see very many of us around anyway, and when it's just kind of just ignored, not addressed at all, not acknowledged, it just, it's very disheartening. So I just wanted to throw that out there too. Thank you for that, G. Yeah, I can totally understand when it, you're in a space where um, there are not a lot of us anyway, and then you just kind of feel like, you know, nope, everybody's acting like it's the elephant in the room. We're just not going to talk about it, you know. Um, it, it just makes the battle fatigue worse. And, and PTSD, that's an actually a really great way to put it. It really does feel like um, just mentally it is exhausting and draining. Um, and so let's talk a little bit about how we all feel about um you know, this goes hand in hand with what's going on with race in America right now. But how are we feeling about the election? So I know for me, I, I was just telling, I think it was G again, I was talking to, and uh, my husband had fallen asleep and it was like this documentary on TV. And it was a group of people who uh, were diehard Trump supporters, uh, you know, re- oh, we're definitely going to be there because I'm, I'm even more afraid now. And I just, just watching it gave me anxiety. And I felt like, oh, dear Lord, you know, part of me is worried that this thing isn't going to go the way um, I think all of us on this uh, call would like it to go. Um, because, you know, the polls had him losing four years ago and here, this is where we are. So how are you all feeling about uh, what's going on, what's being said on TV. You know, some of his, the 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 rhetoric, you know, oh, he want you know, Joe Biden wants to give your social security to the, to illegal immigrants. I mean, it's just such divisive, just, just horrible language that's being used. And that gives me heart palpitations too. I'm like four more years. I don't know if we can take it as a people. Uh, so Maureen, let's start with you. How are you feeling about what's going on with the election and the fact that people just seem like it's okay. You know, like what was it? The, um, uh, what's the guy's name who, um, who he just said the other day, he, he likened face masks to slavery, to mm-hmm. slave. AG bar. Uh, yes, I can't. Mm-hmm. I just can't. <laughs> so, I, so this was, all of that that you just said was part of my whole, and I didn't realize it right away, was part of my depression. Um, and the, just the the general malaise, again, that I was feeling um, last month. It was all about, oh my gosh, are we really getting ready to grant this man another opportunity for four more years? And I don't know if I can... I don't know if I can do this and I don't know if I'm strong enough to do this for myself and for my family, like for my mind, for for my soul. I don't know if I can do this. I'm not, 
all I can say is vote. vote. <laughs> like I don't, I don't even know what else to to do or to say, but it is making me crazy just thinking about the fact that there could possibly be another four years of this. Um, it is so divisive and quite honestly, it's, it's, it's disrespectful and he's made a mockery and an embarrassment of the United States. And just think about how much more damage will happen in the next four years. And, you know, there's been this talk of how, you know, I think it's in Bob Woodward's book where he talks about respecting, you know, Russia and wanting to be able to run America in the same way in which Putin runs Russia. Are you kidding me? I mean, this can't be a thing, but just think about if, if that were to be the case, how bad that would be for minorities in this country. So I'm having a really, really, really difficult time with this. I, I, I just, I, and I know all of you are too. I, I just can't say it enough. I, I, I'm just done. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel. I, it just, it's just, it gives me a headache thinking about it. Um, G, how about you? I'm with y'all, really. I, and, and to be honest, I don't even know what more I can add to that. I, I am done. I'm going to use Maureen's word. I am done. Like, I just, to be honest, like, I just, I don't even know what four more years of this, like, I feel like we're in such bad shape now. I can't imagine <laughs> four more years. And at the end of what that four more years, can you imagine what that's, what that would look like? Guys, I don't know. I just, it, it, it just really just gives me heartburn every time I think about it. Um, you know, I, I never thought in my wildest dreams that we would be here like this. Um, you know, I keep thinking about, you just brought up the whole bar comment, which is just absolute, just insanity. It, it, that, it, to be honest, like that was probably one of the most disgusting comments that I've heard from from his administration. And, you know, it just, I feel like every time it's like, this can't get any worse or they can't say anything crazier. It just, they just outdo each other. And it's, it's just ridiculous, you know, but I've never in my wildest dreams thought that, you know, the president of the United States would, and, and, and I'm going back here uh, maybe about a, a month or so ago where he basically brought in, you know, the military and hosed down peaceful protesters. And I'm looking at these images on TV and I'm like, we look like a third world country right now. Like, I just, I can't believe, like, this is in America, <laughs> you know, and, and for what, for what? Just so they could pave the way for him to go and take a, a, a photo off in front of a church and hold a Bible upside down. Like that's where we are right now. And I never in my wildest dreams thought that we would ever be here and that the, the office of the presidency would just be doing this type of foolishness. It's, it's crazy. So yeah, I'm done too. And it was really embarrassing to watch that footage. I mean, they were hosing, they were knocking people over. Uh, oh, yeah. For him to be able 
to take this photo. Um, and it was just really, dis- I mean, literally some people, you know, one man I think was looking down at his phone and they just literally knocked him over. Um, and, and you're right to see that. I, I never thought that I would see where we would be doing that in the U S a- Amber, how are you feeling about that? Um, probably the same way as Maureen and, and, and Gia, not probably definitely the same way. Um, it is disheartening to see that. And, um, I, I, it just amazes me how he can say the things that he says and do the things that he does. And people still seem to say, oh, but I'm going to still vote for him. Um, I know for me, it's been really frustrating because normally, even if I don't vote for someone, the office for me holds respect. And I will still respect that person because they hold that office. Um, and I've had a really hard time respecting him. Um, and a really hard time. There's things that I normally wouldn't say or do because that office deserves respect. But I feel that the person in it is disrespectful and is not showing respect himself. And so it's difficult for me to, um, I I kind of feel bad for myself as a person because I've always said that, hey, just they've had this position. So it doesn't matter that I voted for them, didn't vote for them. This is the president of the United States and I am going to um, respect that position. And I know with you, Karen, I've told you a couple of times, you know, I didn't vote for so-and-so or, you know, when the Bushes were in, but let one of them come in somewhere. I'd be the first one trying to get a photo op. I have a picture, be like, I met the president of the United States. Um, I I don't feel that way at all about what we have now. And the way I'm feeling, I just feel disheartened that if this were to happen, God forbid, that I would still feel like this four years from now. Um, and so for me, that's the difficult part, um, is respecting him. And I thought I was a pretty decent person to do that, but I, I, I just, he cannot get my respect. I just can't find it in myself to do that. Maureen, you wanted to add something? Oh my gosh. I just want to know how much time are you allowing us to talk about this? <laughs> hey, that was the whole point of this. Oh. I just felt like it, there need a girl. I needed to talk to somebody. This is like this. This, this is a lot. This is <laughs> a lot. And G and like all of it. Four more years of this kind of reminds me of. Um, have have has everyone on here seen um, the Lion King? Yes, I've seen it all. We've all seen it, right? So you remember when Scar kills Mufasa, Scar takes over, and all of a sudden the land is barren. People are scrounging for, I mean, animals are scrounging for food. Like it is just a hot, hot mess. And the only people Scar's, all the only animals Scar's got on his side are the hyenas. And so, you know, I kind of liken them to, this guy's administration. Wow, what and a great I love it. I love it. I love it. Girl, I'm just sitting here going, she just broke this thing down with the Lion King. Yeah. Go ahead on this. It's go one of my on. favorite movies, first of all. But this ahead, guy has come in and I'm like, oh my gosh, Scar was actually written about a president of the United States in their future. Who knew? That is what this feels like to me. That is what I see four more years of this this administration creating for this country. And that is very, very scary. So all of what you said, you know, Amber, what you said about the respect, nobody respected Scar but the hyenas. You know, gee, what you said about, you know, just 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 feeling that that anxiety and how, you know, the rest of the line herd really felt that every time Scar showed up, like 
this is it. We cannot be here. This has got to end. This has got to end come November. Okay, I'm done. Girl, <laughs> you honestly, so for those of you who, <laughs> this is so funny. So we're on here together and there's a chat feature, right? So everybody's like, amen, girl, LOL. You wanna... <laughs> this is hilarious. I mean, she broke that down, y'all, to the Lion King and the hyenas. And if, girl, I'm gonna have to use that. I'm gonna borrow that. Girl, please, please talk. put it out there because let, let people make because everybody's seen the Lion King. I'm sure. Let people just just you know let that soak in for a minute. Yeah, just like you sit on that for a moment. He is Scar from the Lion King, and all of those are his hyenas. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow, that was great. That was <laughs> Thank great. you. Yeah, it was. It was wonderful. <laughs> so <laughs> let's talk a little bit about what your hope is for. Um, for for the future like what are we hoping you know sometimes and again mrs obama was talking about this you know we had a black man as president and i think for a lot of people they felt like oh you know racism is going to be a thing of the past because it's a black man in the white house and he was in there for eight years right and even with all that he was able to do try to do you know um look look at where we are now so what is your hope what is you what are you hoping is going to happen if and when this election goes the way that we all want it to go. Uh, Amber, I'll let you start. Um, I guess what I'm hoping for is is a little bit personal. Um, And I know it's one of the stresses that I have during this time, but um, I'm hoping to see um, a a change. I know it may not happen overnight, but a complete change on how the country is just respecting um, black and brown people. Um, I want to see them stop killing us. Um, and I know for me personally, um, for those of you who don't know, but I'm in the process of um, trying to adopt and to have something that should be a happy occasion. And for me to, oh my gosh, I said I wasn't going to cry. I debated about saying this, but um, for me to have to decide whether or not, you know, it should be happy a time for me, but I'm trying to decide, do I really want a boy? Because I'm going to be afraid that something's going to happen to him and he's going to die because of how this world is. And then, but does it really matter with a girl? You know, because you have Breonna Taylor, you have Sandra Bland, you have all those other kind of people. So instead of me just saying, oh, I would like a boy first, oh, I would like a girl first, I'm basically trying to decide who do I think will live longer. And not because that they have any kind of health issues or anything, but who do I think can live longer? And, you know, can I protect them as a parent? And to me, that's a sad situation to be in. And I can't just enjoy the moment of saying, oh, yes, it doesn't matter what gender, but I am scared to death that if I end up adopting a young man, the worries I'm going to have, which I know that I will join a whole group of people that are having this same, you know, problem now. But, you know, that my biggest worry would be how, you know, I know as a parent, you're like, how am I going to protect them? How am I going to, what am I going to do? Or I want to protect this little one. All of those kind of natural things will come. But for me to say, you know, if I get a son, how can I keep him alive and having nothing to do with how I take care of him? Because I can do whatever I need to do, but I can't. And so for me to try to decide, you know, do I want a boy or a girl? Because which one do I think I can keep alive longer or protect better um, is a sad situation. And for me, I want to see all of this kind of turn around because I don't want to feel like that. I don't want to wake up and be scared that 
you know, something's going to happen to my child. And I've waited a long time for this and for something to happen for something I've been waiting so long for. It's just catastrophic. And like I said, I know I'm joining a whole crew of young women and men who are also worried about their children. But to have this happy moment kind of be disguised by that is a little disheartening. So I want those kind of emotions to turn around. And the only way to me it's going to do it is if we have an absolute change um, in this election. It has to be a change of the election or a lot of people are still going to feel the way I feel. New noms who are going to adopt or giving birth are still going to feel like, you know, should I have children? Because I don't know if I can keep them alive. And to me, that's just sad. So that's why I said it's a little personal to me. But on in November, there has to be a change because um, anybody, <laughs> the way I feel, has got to do something different than what he's doing. And um, I would just like to see that, you know, black and brown people just simply are just not killed on a daily basis. Y'all, I, I, I'm not a crier, but that really could make me cry um, to think that that's where we are in this society that something that should be such a happy time is filled with so much trepidation because the world that we live in is so hateful towards people just because of the color of their skin. And I know, you know, even for me, I find myself checking on a regular basis for where my son is. And if he's normally home by a certain time and he's not here, like I'm hyperventilating. If my husband isn't home and he's not picking up the phone, I'm like in serious prayer. Um, and it's a really sad way to live. And I, I feel bad, Amber, but I'm definitely going to put that as something that I'm praying for, that you can, you know, get to a place where you can be happy about this time in your life and not have to worry about something like that. And it is sad that that's where we are um, in the United States of America today, y'all. Um, uh, G, how about you? I'm totally feeling, um, feeling you guys on that as well. And, um, well, you all know I am a crier, so I'm just gonna put it out there. But Amber, you 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 uh, you did that to me. I'm, I'm I'm sitting here like wiping tears off my face because it really does. And in all seriousness, it really does break my heart that that's where we are in 2020. And you know, just to answer your question, Karen, um, honestly, like my hope is well, number one, I just need people to vote. Can can we all just vote? <laughs> But beyond that, I just want to get to a place, and there's a saying, and I, gosh, I'm embarrassed to say I don't know who said this quote, but I just want for my skin to not be a sin. I just, I, can we just get to a place where our skin is not a sin? My skin color is not a sin. My children, my family, you know, friends, I just want to get to that point. You know, when, when are we going to get there? So that's my hope. Short and sweet. Thank you, G. Maureen, how about you? So Amber, um, yeah, I feel that. And my hope is that not, we don't have any of these feelings. Like, so, you know, the, my hope is that you are able to adopt your child and to move throughout the world, not thinking that, right? And not worrying about that. My hope is that, you know, the color of our skin is not our sin for, for forever. Like this has got to stop somewhere. You know, this, um, this past weekend, I, uh, I went to Georgia to visit family on the way back. I, um, 
my husband and I stopped in Gainesville to visit our son, just to have a quick lunch with him since we were driving through. Um, and we, while we were driving, he met us at the restaurant while we were driving behind him. We noticed that one of his, um, his brake light was out. And so I said to my husband, we got to fix that. And with the other thing that we were also dropping off for him while we were there was the registration tag, um, to put on his license plate and his new insurance card for the, for the car. So, you know, we go to advanced auto parts, pick up a bulb. My husband changes it right there in the parking lot. I go to, um, and I open up his glove compartment to, and I said, you know, where your, where's your registration and your insurance card? And he, he opens up his glove compartment and literally like everything but the kitchen sink falls out of it because, you know, he's 21 year old kid. His car's a hot mess. I said, honey, you can't, you cannot, you specifically, you know, black, brown, you cannot keep your glove compartment like this. And I had to break it down to him as to why. And I said, here's the thing. You get pulled over by the police. First thing they ask you is for your license and registration. You go into the glove compartment, but because there's so much stuff in there, you're fiddling through trying to find it. They don't know that. All they know is you're fiddling through trying to find something, possibly a weapon. So before you're even given the opportunity to pull out the documentation, they do what this guy in the White House says is called, they choke. And they shoot you. So I said, you need to clean that out. And when you clean it out, you keep in there the registration, the insurance card, and an extra bulb for the, you know, for the car because my husband bought two of them. I said, that's it. Oh, that's not it. Keep some money in an envelope. You always need money. You never know. And I said, when you clean it out, I want pictures. He cleans it out two days later, not as fast as I would have wanted, sends me pictures. And what he has in there also, in addition to the envelope with some money, to the, um, the, the registration and insurance card and the bulb, is a Bible. I wrote him back. I said, is that Bible in there? He said, yeah, I always keep this in here. I said, great. That, those are the only things that need to be in there. And the whole time... From the time I had the conversation with him up until the time he sent me the picture and we're texting back and forth, I thought, wow, why on earth am I having this conversation? Why can't he just keep the glove compartment a hot mess if he wants to? Why do I have to say this? Because I have to, because I want him to live. And so my hope is that we don't have to continue having these rudimentary conversations about things that at the end of the day, we just know, we, you know, we can do, it's okay. You want to keep it messy? Go ahead. As long as we know where to get to the stuff, that's fine. Why do we, I don't want to do that anymore. And so, you know, Amber, when you talk about adopting, I don't want you to ever have that conversation. I don't. G, when your kids get to the point where they're driving, I don't want you to have that conversation. That's what I want the future to be like. I just want it to be like a people or doing 95 and a 55, you get pulled over, you get a ticket, you move on. That's what I want. I don't want anybody's knee on anybody's neck. I don't want anybody making an assumption that you were doing something when you clearly were not. 
That's the world I'm hoping for. And please vote. It's all I oh, my. Thank you so much, guys. Yes, absolutely. Please vote. Get your absentee ballot, your mail-in, stand in line with your mask on for early voting, however you got to get it in. Please absolutely vote. Uh, this has been um, cathartic and sad and emotional all rolled up into one. Um, but, you know, I feel like we can roll up our sleeves, guys, and, and continue to do battle because, you know, that's all we got right now. Um, but I'll be praying for all of us because that's all we got. <laughs> um, that's all we got. You know, yeah, that's really all we, that's all we have that. And, you know, the hope that things are going to get better. Uh, so thank you ladies for joining me for this conversation today. Um, as always, if you have any comments or want to hear us talk about anything on In My Shoes, you can hit me up at KDT at InMyShoesToday.com. Again, that is KDT at InMyShoesToday.com. That's all the time we have for today until we have a chance to meet again. Be blessed.